Hey, Deliberate Leaders, I am your host, Allison Dunn, founder of the Deliberate Leaders podcast, where we bring you inspiring interviews such as today's to help you on your leadership journey. Um, I am so excited. I get the the brand new, um, this is, it's been rolled up this week, correct? Right, right. All right. Days so, ago. so I get an interview as the book is coming out hot off the press with Eileen McDar. Um, she is the author of uh, Burnout to um, Burnout to Breakthrough. Um, she's also the author of Your Resilience GPS. Um, she is the founder and CEO of the Resilience Group, where she is the Chief Energy Officer, which I just love, love, love that title. She is a keynote speaker, a facilitator, and also an executive coach. Eileen, it is so great to have you back here with us. Uh -huh. Thank you. And thank you for choosing this week because yeah. it really is like unwrapping this child mm -hmm. and presenting it to the world. And the wonderful thing, Allison, I mean, it was Tuesday. And what is today? So two days later, the response from this book in different interviews that I have given and the people that have chimed in, I would not have wanted it to be as popular as it is, but it is, I'm thrilled, but it's because of these times. People are really hungry for what we're talking about. And they're hungry for the opportunity to talk about this. So, thanks. Um, so, I, um, you sent it to me a couple of weeks ago. I think you even sent it to me before it went into mass production. And um, there is just so many wonderful nuggets in here. And so, I wanna make sure, like I like to do the high level. So, your, your subtitle to the book is Building Resilience to Refill, Refuel, Recharge, and reclaim what matters. Who did you write this for? Me and everybody else. I've been talking about resilience specifically over the last 19 years. And in the last three, uh, almost every time I was asked to speak, I don't care whether it was 200 or 15,000, it was resilience in the context of burnout. And when last year in March, I spoke for the Association of um, Pharmacists. And when 5,000 pharmacists stand and applaud, it's not me, it's not me, Allison. It's that they were desperate for that kind of information. And right after that in May was when the World Health Organization declared burnout in their classification of diseases. They didn't call it a disease, they call it an occupational hazard globally. Well, this then, I mean, I says, okay, Lynn, you have to write the book. You've been talking about this. You need to write the book. So I wrote it to understand myself and what I've experienced, as well as some fascinating people who became my case studies in the book. So I really have written it for all of us who want to reclaim the life of work and the work of our life. Um, have um, You've experienced burnout in, in your career path. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine that everyone has at a certain point in time. Um, for me, it's been at a point where I'm working on a massive project and just the, um, the volume of work that needs to happen and it falls on, you know, a team or the shoulders of just a few single people to actually own the uh, deliverable, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, and just like how you, at the resilience and adaptability you need to like push through that pure exhaustion. Mm -hmm. um, I know that people are also feeling burnt out right now. And it's not necessarily through that same type of, of like work churn or burn, but the burnout of um, 
I don't know, like uh, not being able to adapt to what's going on today. Do you have any guidance for, like, I think we're experiencing a different type of burnout currently. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, first let me, let me define burnout as Herbert Freudenberger in the seventies defined it because I, li I actually like his definition better than what the world health organization did. And he said, basically in a nutshell, it is to exhaust one's resources trying to achieve some unrealistic expectation imposed mm -hmm. upon by yourself or society. So I want you to think about that. We are exhausting ourselves mentally. I just can't think about this anymore. Emotionally, I just can't, I, I just can't hold this anymore or physically. Um, and the, the unexpected or the, the unrealistic expectation is that we're supposed to be able to handle this just fine. And the truth of the matter is none of us have ever been through this. It's not that this was something that happened to my city. This has happened to our world. Mm -hmm. And we are now being squeezed into this, into this box that is called home. And for some of us who've been working from home, that isn't that much. But for many people, what we knew, what we were comfortable with, and having my colleagues around me, even, you know, even if it was down the hall, is gone. So the burnout, I think, is the unrealistic expectation that I'm supposed to be able to handle this okay. And the truth of the matter is I get to say, you know what, this is really hard stuff. And from a leadership perspective, Ali, I think leaders need to own up to their own feelings, to be transparent about, this is hard stuff, guys, let's talk about it. Just before you and I went on, I spoke with someone who is in charge of a of a wellness initiative here in California where community colleges, and it has to do with schools of nursing. And in the course of our conversation, we both cried. Yeah. And we cried because there's some, some of these things you're helpless to do anything about. And it just breaks your heart. And then if you really care, then you're also feeling guilty. I, I ought to be able to do more. Well, stop it. We can't do more. So here's my, my piece of advice, first and foremost. Listen to the voices in your head, because the voices in our head are gonna tell us things that are either gonna be powerful and that give us energy, or they're gonna deplete energy. And by the way, energy is what resilience is about. It is energy management. Do I have the energy to keep on keeping on, or is there stuff that drains it? And so what some people say in their heads, I have to do this. I have to do this, I have to, I have to be strong. No, you know what, no. What I have to do is I have to do the best that I can do today. In fact, maybe the best that I can do is what's here in front of me. And after that, I can go to something else. So our, our, big, our, our big error, I think, is piling all this stuff on top of us. Nobody can see me and I better be able to show how much work I did. And uh, you know, I'll count for that. Oh my gosh, I've got three kids that are running over here. And oh, and I got a homeschool, two of them over here. And the other one is still a toddler. And I don't want to do it. This is like nuts. Yes, it is nuts. And so you do what you can do and take small steps. We also need to seek help from each other. And by help from each other, what I mean is doing, like you and I are sitting right now, we are, we're talking to each other. You've invited me into your house. I've invited you into mine. And we could talk about what, what's this challenge, but then can't stay there. Give me some ideas of what I can do with this. It can be small. We don't have to own all the answers ourselves. So tell me, tell me how you might handle that. 
fact, that's what we're going to be doing with this group. I said, just, you don't want to just hear from me. We need to allow people to experience what they're feeling and then say, now, how do we support each other through this? And that's what a leader, I think, right now really needs to do. It is to work on those soft skills, which are the hardest skills of management. It's called listening. It's called empathy. It's called transparency. It's called humility. You do not have all the answers, leaders. And the people around you want to know that you sit there in that same boat with them and understand we're going to have to have some give and take. You can't have a regular nine to five job if you ever had a nine to five job. What is it? How do we blend together the work that we have and the other things like the three kids running around here and the two that need homeschooling? So now finally we get to realize that work and life are not separate, they're intertwined. And when I think of them being intertwined, it's like the DNA molecule. Some days you can be over here, but then I got to come over here, then I got to come over here. And the DNA molecule is what gives us who we are. Yeah. I am um, recognizing that where many, um, almost every business is going through this um, shift, right? Which is causing um, an exhaustion of, of energies, resources. Um, how do you, um, how can we talk about how to achieve that breakthrough for people? Okay. So between burnout and, and breakthrough is break away. So you got to break out. So think of this as being the burnout is the jail cell. It's all of these emotions. It's exhaustion. It's irritability. It's an inability to concentrate. It's not caring about anything anymore, about being short-tempered, um, about overdoing, whether it's food, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever it is. That's the jail. The breakthrough is when you get out of the jail and you say, now I'm walking free. To break out, I have to realize what's keeping me in this place. So this is where I say, okay, what are the things what are the things that I might be saying to myself and doing that, you know what, in the scheme of things, that's really not smart. It's like this one person saying, I, I should have been able to, to prepare them better for this pandemic. Well, no, because no one did. No one knew. So let that one go. What do we hold on to that just drains our energy? What are activities that we're doing because it's the way we've always done it? So now is a great time, and particularly for smart leaders. They'll say, as we sit around this Zoom meeting, what are some things right now that you're questioning? You're saying, why are we doing this? Does this really add value? Is there a better way to do this? Why am I doing this? Maybe Allie needs to be doing this because she's got more skill at this than I do. So we begin to look at what is the stuff that keeps us in this place. So it's both our own personal triggers, which can be what we're saying to ourselves. It can be technology triggers that hold us back because all of a sudden, oh my God, there's another email. There's an, oh, there's a text message. Oh, I gotta get the text message. And so we, we've got all this technology and maybe the technology freezes and oh my God, I'm supposed to have a Zoom call and I can't get out because the internet went down and we freak ourselves out on that. Okay, it's down, it's gonna come back. 
uh, another way that we that we sabotage ourselves, and we find ourselves really in the place of what is caretaker overload, and that could be the little kids, or it could be the fact that a number of us are caring for aging parents, and that's an additional burden. It doesn't mean you abandon them, but you have to say, how do I give myself break out of that, so I can break through? How do I break out? And the last one, which I think is really important, is and this can lead to this feeling of burnout is that I'm doing all of these things. And the truth of the matter is none of this means anything to me. Right. I'm doing work that at the end of the day, doesn't matter. So you've created your coaching practice. You've created this podcast because it has meaning for you. And that meaning is what you can contribute to the greater universe. I bet you, if you were sitting answering a phone, or doing some kind of technology, you would be going, I can't do this. I don't like this. It doesn't fill my heart. So one of our opportunities, which is a way of, is what is it that all things being equal, I can put even a little bit in my life. I go, yeah, that feels good. That feels my heart. Um, that made, that breaks my heart to think about the fact that I could be doing something that doesn't, you know what I mean? I really resonate with what you just said, because I do have so much control over what I get to do and what I choose to do, um, in my life. And that's, I'm in a fortunate position to do that, but I am recognizing that I do see that, um, that need for finding that meaning, um, in an area of parts of lives of people that I, you know, seeing working in roles that they didn't create, right? They're doing what they're told. They're following the systems we've given them. Um, so that's a really powerful um, suggestion for anyone and everyone who's listening, especially if you've created your own environment in your own role and if you're not loving it, right? So we're really lucky with this, Allie. Yeah. Let, we can still, wherever you find yourself, how do you transform what you do in a way so that you see it as a bigger picture? I remember years ago, there was this guy who was managing the thermodynamic plant for a manufacturing environment. He had a thermo, okay, so we're talking pipes, guys, right? You know, we're talking the steam, the thermodynamic plant that lets the manufacturing roll along. He got surgical suits. And the surgical stuff, he had him wear surgical suits. And he said, doctors handle the pipes in the body. We handle the pipes in the company. Yeah. He reframed it. Yeah. He gave it meaning. And so just because at face value, it looks like it is meaningless, doesn't mean that it cannot be meaningful. That is a super powerful challenge that um, I, I would like to be, have be the action item for every listener is um, how can you make it more meaningful? Mm -hmm. Power behind that. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. Um, one of the uh, quotes that I have that you like to say is uh, forget balance, start sailing. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe we brought up this quote possibly in a previous interview. And so I just, I loved it so much. I want to make sure that we have that as a core essence. What do you mean by that? Okay. All words put pictures in our heads. So Allison, right now, if I, I'm going to ask you, hold up your hands and show me what balance looks like. What does that look like? 
hold up your hands. All right. So for everybody looking at Allison, her hands are going back and forth. It replicates the scale of justice. So the notion of balance is that life is equal. Life is never equal. It's never been equal. So even the word balance is wrong. Let me give you another word instead of balancing our life, sailing our life. And if you think about sailing, if you were in a little one person sailboat, every time so we start out on the sailboat, when the wind changes direction, what do we have to do on our sailboat, Allison? We have to adjust our sails. That's right. We have to come about. We have to move. Mm -hmm. Well, this happens to us all the time. And if you think of a sailboat, sailboats don't go from point A to point B in a straight line. They're always zigging, zagging, zigging, zagging as the wind. Well, life is like that. Sometimes we can pant it and oh my gosh, it changed over here. So if I look at it as sailing, I'm not looking at equality. I'm saying, how is it that I am connected to the important parts of my boat? It's in the disconnection that I fall out of the boat. And connection is translated into energy and time. So there are times in which on the emotional part of my boat, like if I'm caring for an aging mother, I gotta spend a, a ton of energy over here, but I cannot abandon my physical self. I can't aban abandon the other relationships. I can't abandon my work, might not spend as much time on it, might not do something, but I, I am connected somehow, consciously choosing that for right now, at this phase of my life, it, a lot of my energy is going into mom. So this notion of sailing is to say, how can I be the commander of my ship? While I can't adjust the wind, I can't adjust the sails. And here's the other thing. Just like there are cycles of the tide, faces of the moon, so too are there cycles of our life. And if that's true, no truer words were ever spoken than this too shall pass. So right now we don't have a, past date for this pandemic, which I think is what makes people very anxious because we'd like to say when it's over, when's it over, when's it over. You know what? I don't know. So right now, what is it that I need to be to be faithful to my to my values, to my integrity, to my clients? How do I sail now? And by the way, the only way you can sail a boat is in the moment. Correct. That's all you have. So what is it I want to do today? what takes my energy, what refuels that energy. And let me suggest one of the best ways for, for all of those who are listening, watching, that we begin to refuel that energy, frankly, is with your physical body. It's the one thing that we really do have some kind of control over. And that has to do with everything from sleep, nutrition, exercise, recreation, which by the way, if you break that word apart, it's to recreate. It doesn't mean you have to do, you know, I, okay, maybe I'm only getting four hours sleep. Could I go for five? What if I tried for, oh, Lord love a duck. What if I tried for seven hours worth of sleep? Oh, maybe I could do that. Maybe my recreation is just to walk up the street here in my neighborhood and see if Western bluebirds are in the nest yet and then come back. So it's how do we get this physical body in control? And we can do it that way. Um, the other thing is our physical surrounding. If in fact, everybody's working at home and now all of a sudden all this stuff is piled up down and the dishes are in the sink and you can't find the kitchen counter because your spouse has got their stuff on the kitchen counter. Stop. Okay, let's see what kind of order we can get here. What kind of boundaries can we set 
So maybe you get the kitchen table for the first two hours of the day. I'm going to get them for the next two hours of the day. And we're going to put everything away. If you notice, we're in my office right now. I try to keep things fairly organized because when it becomes disorganized, I can feel myself starting to hyperventilate. Oh my God, where to go, where to go? So this idea of creating this physical space that has a sense of, a, a sense of order. Um, and then I'm in control, not all this other stuff flying around. And even if you don't know where to put it, put it under the desk. I mean, think about it. When this pandemic first started and everyone was in lockdown, I think it was like March 15th, in the first couple of weeks, what did we hear about our colleagues doing? They were cleaning out their closet. Yeah. They were cleaning the garage. They were saying, okay, I got to do something. I am going to put order. I've wanted to do this all along. They took the junk drawer that we all have in the kitchen or in the den and tossed it out and said, why do I have this? Why do I have and there is something by getting rid of what we don't need. Oh, good. We don't have, I mean, it's, it's, you can even feel lighter. Yeah. Um, some of my greatest uh, times of inspiration, and when I lack it, I go and put order to something because it gives my, um, my, um, my creativity a channel to be released. Um, yeah. So I'm much like you. I start to hyperventilate if my space is not... You know, organized and clean. And so um, to doing that give, recharges me in a big way. All right. Um, Eileen, I'm just curious, um, what is your favorite chapter oh, topic of, of the book? Like where, like what, what was that like? Oh my gosh, this is, this, I mean, there's a lot of gems in here. Don't get me wrong, but do you have a favorite? You know what? That's kind of like saying, which of your, which is your favorite child? I love the most. <laughs> That's like saying, because this is my seventh book. I say, which book do you love the most? They go, well, <laughs> I, I love each one of them, but for a, dif for a different reason. Yeah. Um, God, that is, that is really, that's really hard. Um, man. I, I think, I, uh, wow. I think I like, oh, excuse me. I'm going to sneeze for a minute. It's you, it's you. Pardon me, and there's nothing wrong with me. I don't have COVID. Every now and then I sneeze. Um, I like the chapter, which is chapter 11 on hands. It's called um, Set a Fence or Be Defenseless. And it is about that boundary setting. Yes. Um, and when I think about the boundary setting, we, um, we often find it hard to create boundaries for ourselves, particularly women, Ellie. Mm -hmm. because we have this nurturing instinct, I think, and that I have to take care of everybody. So creating that boundary, uh, I think, is really important. And, of course, in the, the, the very last chapter, which was, which was, to me, it was all about the power of meaning, which we talked about earlier. Um, to step back and say, at this phase of my life, what is it that, that I feel that I, there's meaning to it? And again, it doesn't have to be big, uh, small things. This is another way to talk, talk about what can I do that at least fills my heart even that's, when you see people, they're, they're six feet away or whatever they are, and you wave at them and smile. Yeah. Or this is, and I, I, can't, I am ashamed to say I never thought about doing this. I, I run in the morning, every morning. Um, and I, I can go down, I live at the beach, so I can go down this trail and I'm on a boardwalk and then, and, and 
very few people are ever around, so I'm, I'm safe. But here is one of the landscape people for the city, and he's all decked up, and he's got the, like the leaf blower, and he's blowing the sand off of the, off of the, the uh, ramp. And I looked him in the eye, and I said, thank you so much for doing that. We're really making this, you know, we're, we're not going to get sand in our eyes when the wind blows. So thank you. You should have seen Allie, what I imagined, because I could only see his eyes, the smile on his face. Probably nobody ever stopped to say, thank you for doing this. It's his job. But I saw, and I'm ashamed to say, how many times have I seen these workers and I don't say thanks. I tell you what, it made running back up to the hill a little bit easier. I bet, I bet it did. Um, I don't know that I have a favorite chapter, but um, one of the things that I have truly appreciated um, as you came to the close of the book is that you address humor. And um, one of the things that I've recognized in my team and in my home environment, that as long as we're smiling and giggling and laughing, everything is okay. It's true. Having the energy to understand that as a perspective, right? Oh, it is. I mean, and think about it. The shortest distance between two people is laughter. For sure. You know, if I can get somebody to laugh with me, we just created some kind of a bond. Well, if I can find things that I'm going to laugh at. I mean, somebody said the other day, this isn't a pandemic. It is a pound-demic. Because <laughs> they're eating everything that they have within the house. You know, it's a, it's a pound-demic. We can find things that we just want to... Mm -hmm. That we're just going to laugh at, and they, they yeah. can't be silly things. I mean, look at the the assortment of memes and yeah. things that are coming to us over email. That the one that I guess it still just cracks me up, and you probably saw it. It was like this little I don't know PowerPoint or a JPEG or something, and it said, "You told me that to go shopping, all I needed was mask and gloves." Wrong. Everybody else had on clothes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that just cracked me up i thought it was i thought it was so funny um and so people are are making fun of but it gives making fun of what's happening yeah. not treating it lightly um it is serious but is that sense of humor that say oh my goodness that's true and you go to Trader Joe's like I do. Look at the things that Trader Joe's does to put some humor in that store. They really do a great, a really great job. Um, really do. This morning, um, I was, I am inside my office today, and um, there was a gentleman who was walking by, and he had a nice big mask on because he's out out in our public streets, um, and his mask was bigger than the pair of shorts that he was wearing. <laughs> So funny. So completely white, you know, unsuntanned, big mask and teeny, teeny, teeny little shorts. And it just gave me such a giggle walking his dog. It was fantastic. That's very funny. See, we look, we look for that. And that's yes. one of the things you say in the book is uh, my friend Karen Buxman uh, gave us this quote. She said, how do you look? How do you look for the funny? And it is there. If we practice, what is for sure? What is that? What is that piece of humor? If, I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know where you get them, but these masks and they're big. Yeah. And on the mask, it's like this gigantic, like smile, a baboon face, or <laughs> yeah. you know something that yeah. you just. Oh my God, that's that's funny. funny. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. 
Um, Eileen, it is always such a pleasure to connect with you. Um, I do want to encourage folks to um, get their copy. Um, where can they get it and by and when officially? Okay, it, it was officially out Tuesday. Today is Thursday. You okay. can get it through Amazon. You can get it through Barnes & Noble. Uh, it is both in the Kindle edition, the print edition, and the uh, auditory. You know, so there's that. Fantastic. So you can have one of those three ways. It's, uh, you know, they'll get it out to you just ASAP, unless it's Kindle, in which case you have it immediately. And I would dearly love if any of your Lister viewers would write a review. Five-star would be the no, whatever. I had finished the book and I owe you a five-star review. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, we'll put a link to the Amazon, um, uh, uh, where they can get it on Amazon. Eileen, always such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Congratulations on your new Thank you, Allie. Thank um, you, Allie. And I expect to hear a report from, from your adventure that you I are coming up soon. I promise. I will read it when we get back. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you.